Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. If you just press play, you're missing out on 33 minutes of us talking about Lightyear and Strange World, uh, the two science fiction Disney animated movies from last year, from 2022, that did not do well at the box office, uh, pretty much in severe diminishing returns in which Lightyear barely broke even, I guess it's fair to say, and then Strange World just just, just basically lost all the money Lightyear may have possibly yeah. made. But you get to hear all about stuff like that with this uh, 33 to 35 minute now uh, Patreon bonus content. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, Ooh, it's nice. changing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's $3 a month. Uh, pretty low. You also get to influence the show. There's all sorts of other stuff. You'll hear about it as you listen to this episode. Um, but we are here to talk about a movie from 1985, Lady Hawk, that Melanie recommended to the two of us. And uh, I figure, Melody, do you want to introduce the movie and tell us what it's uh, what it's about? Sure. So we have a movie that was directed by Richard Donner and was um, originally uh, conceived. The original concept was from a guy named Edward Kamara. I did not know this was Richard Donner. Uh, yeah, and I really? Richard watched, Donner film. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I did not know that he directed this. And of course, I'm familiar with it with Superman, some stuff like that. Until right now, this very moment? No, no, I knew it was him. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you, thought you just, like, <laughs> like, oh, I just found out. I watched the movie, guys, I promise. <laughs> I believe you. I did, yes, I knew he was in it uh, or directed it. Um, I did not. And and there was a confidence that like once I saw that, I You're was like, like ah, oh, yes. this will be good. Like, I, I'm, Oh, good. I'm, not that I was expecting it to be bad but by any means. I, yeah. I was just like, right. you know, when you see like a name of quality, such as Richard. Right. <laughs> and, right. And this <laughs> is the same guy enjoyable. who did. Um, Lethal Weapon, weapon Four, The oh, yeah. Goonies. <laughs> um, but it's a it's basically a uh, love story between two characters who have been cursed by a bishop who was jealous of their love, particularly because he was in love with the female lead, Isabel. And so he he curses them to be forever together, but forever apart. So they've been walking this life together by day. The Our male character, Navarre, is a man and Isabeau is then transformed into a hawk. And then at night, she comes to her normal human self and he is transformed into a wolf. So that's kind of like the the curse forever to always be together, but to not actually be together. And I just thought that that idea was really, really fascinating, even when mm. I watched it um, as a... Oh my gosh, how old was I? I think it was in middle school when I saw this. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I love the movie from the start. And now we have this, this story where um, Philippe, a, um, a young thief who can never seem to tell the truth, um, finds <laughs> no, his way into their story. And uh, he and uh, another, um, I guess, a renounced priest, like he's not a priest anymore. They kind of all band together and they're trying to break the curse that is on them. So yeah, uh, it's, it's a really wonderful movie and I, and I love it so much because I think it's 
um, very sweet and romantic. Yet also there's like fun action scenes and just fantasy magic and just a lot of really, really great moments. I think the actors in the film are great. So you've got like Michelle Pfeiffer, Rutger Hauer, Matthew Broadwick. Um, and I also didn't even recognize Alfred Molina until I was like much yeah. older. Yes. Same. Yes. Me neither until the credits. And I'm like, what the heck? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just a really great cast of people. And I, I love the story. I had never heard of this movie. I knew that this was a movie, Melanie, that you really were into. Um, you specifically even said, like, because I've been reaching out to Melanie asking if they wanted to do some episodes. I knew they were a big fan of movies, like talking about movies a lot. I specifically heard from other people to reach out to you to get to know you about movies and stuff. So, and you had said like, you really were like, as we were talking, like, I really want to hear what you guys think of Lady Hawk. And I was like, what the heck is that? And I actually, this, I don't know why I thought that this was what I was about to say, but I thought it was a wrestling movie by the poster. <laughs> what? <laughs> because, because the, not the poster That's on IMDb. Because of Matthew Broderick? Not the poster on, <laughs> on IMDb. And I didn't know what year it was, so I thought maybe it was older Broderick. But but I I saw the poster, and it's it's the black one in particular. Again, um, this wrestler's doing a Matthew Broderick gimmick. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> crazy. Well, so the, there's a black poster where it's Michelle Pfeiffer wearing like a hood and it's yeah. like her and then there's the hawk and then there's Matthew Broderick and it looks like he's wearing a hoodie. And I was like, is this like a <laughs> woman wrestling movie? Because something about the poster what? made it seem like they were wearing like, wrestling. Poster. So great. Where is his poster? <laughs> I know exactly which one you're talking about. And that's so, hilarious. I'm on IMDb. I don't see. I'll, I'll just send you, you a link If you go on to... Amazon, like when you look it up on like Amazon Prime, they have like a poster. That's that's where I remember seeing it. Oh, you just sent it. I shared one in the in the chat. I don't know why. Oh, okay. just like, yeah, that's oh, this the one I was a, thinking about. This is going to be dope. Like we're going to watch a wrestling <laughs> movie. There's going to be that's hawks awesome. in it. It's be great like i don't know i just no i, I this like, this is the exact poster that's in the wikipedia article and everything i don't know what <laughs> <laughs> why wrestling i don't know i, don't know. It's very I think specific. i saw like a couple uh, words from like a description somewhere else is like oh this is cool and then like i just scheduled it in and moved on to do something else i couldn't write. it was like pretty busy time yeah you were like time to watch where the scary things are again have a good laugh that's probably accurate. Uh, I've only watched it twice. What's up? I had to watch for the podcast. I just want to make that All clear. Right. Although I'm definitely watching it in the future with some friends, but just so they can won't be friends at, until after the movie. Like, um, the friendship. I, I press the friendship button. The friendship and I turn it off movie button. When oh the, movie, the movie starts. And then the movie ends and I turn it back on. So there's uh, no wrestlers in this there's movie. There's no wrestling in the movie. <laughs> Absolutely. I was very wrestling. surprised that it was a fantasy movie, which was cool. I was totally cool <laughs> oh, with it. Oh, good. <laughs> there's kind um, of a movie blind. And then there's Melvin be like, oh, period piece. Oh, magic. <laughs> like, okay. Which is <laughs> <laughs> typically how I watch movies. I would have, that's like a typical thing. I don't know what movies are about. And I just, okay. So let's see to, if it's a comedy, I've if it's a horror said movie. I said this on the podcast, but I'm about to shame my wife. We saw Moonfall, and she did not know what it was about. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. <laughs> she even saw the trailer when she was at the gym. <laughs> it was a commercial playing, and she went, whoa, Moonfall. And it's got Patrick Wilson in it. I want to see that. And then we go see it. She's like, I didn't know it was about the Moonfall. <laughs> <laughs> So the title. She probably is right now. I'll never let her live it down. It's so funny. 
mean? What else is the movie about? I don't know. Oh man, it's a oh, blast man. of a movie. But anyways, it's not the Lady Hawk is not it's not a wrestling movie. Uh I go into movies blind all the time. But the movie's yes. a pretty cool fantasy movie. It's during that time that feels like I like there was a bunch of fantasy movies coming out. Mm-hmm. Watching this, I kept thinking some of the areas I wish it took itself more seriously. There's an action sequence that starts about midway into the movie and like heroic music just starts. And I was like, oh, okay, everyone's going to be fine. Uh, of course, then they catches me off guard because someone turns out not fine. But still, <laughs> I, I wanted yeah. to right. have a bit more thrill and excitement. So actually, when someone gets injured, it was just more just a surprise. Uh, but you know what else is a surprise is if I came home and there was just a mess. Like I'd be a little surprised, but then I had to take care of it. So I uh, occasionally music cues were a little frustrating, but I, I enjoyed the very like uh, it, it just immediately felt nostalgic to watch a movie that very much felt like a Hollywood fantasy production where people still look beautiful, even though there's no baths or showers, right. except for Alfred Molina, literally unrecognizable right. under all that dirt. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of uh, fic- fiction where mar- love, love couples are just like super passionate for one another. And there's like no risk of affair. There's no risk of a third party. Or I, I just love that. Uh, it it's something that like a true Hollywood romance. Yeah, and that yes. like fuels me in my heart too. Like it makes me go, yeah, I love marriage. Like I, it's Aww. just so like wonderful. And so I really appreciated that about this movie's fiction too. That uh, even to the point that it's almost just a revenge plot because it's like, yeah, you know what? If someone turned my wife into a hawk by day and me a wolf by <laughs> night, I'd want to kill them too. <laughs> yeah, that really ground right. my gear. Yeah, so I I really enjoyed that. Um, I have always had a fascinated fascination with Matthew Broderick. I mean, me talking about <laughs> is this a wrestling movie? And you're joking, incredible like, sound bout, <laughs> sound bite. <laughs> but I am genuinely fascinated by him because he he simultaneously is a very confident actor, uh, or, or in these in this era where he's like able to really handle himself, knows what to do, knows how to balance, and also always looks like he doesn't know where he is and is trying to go home <laughs> because he just. <laughs> He he, and he he just looks like he's on a stage play in high school, mm. but now is like and and like I just find that extremely uh, fascinating to me when he's in a movie where everything is so specific, and I, I just have always felt like a director, no matter what they ask Broderick to do, can never get him to fit into the movie he's in and that inherently to me is fascinating not a negative just mm-hmm. fascinating yeah, um, truly the michael sarah of the 80s and 90s that is a that's actually really astute because yeah. sarah yeah, always has the same that. aesthetic of just like he's there and you're like i don't know is he supposed to be there <laughs> like is he, did he just wander up on set um, right which, hey, I mean, it looks like Broderick's wearing a hoodie the whole movie anyway. But I right. like that. And I also really, really liked uh, – there's a there's a almost – I'd love to know who wrote this and why they made this one of the choices for their um, for the film. But Matthew Broderick's character, Philippe, he's perpetually in prayer. He's constantly talking to God. And then every other character sort of just seems to be aware of God, except for the bishop, who obviously is uh, godless and manipulative and a monster. It's quite evil. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, very evil guy. And um, and I just kind of like that as a narrative choice to just be like, God exists and we believe it. And also I want revenge. And also magic and curses exist. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And I just sort of thought all that was kind of 
uh, endearing because that almost, even with the magic and curses, kind of made it more closer to reality. Where, like, for us as Christians, like, we're perpetually living in a world where we believe God is real, of which He is, mm-hmm. and we're in communication with Him. Amen, uh, and amen. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, preach. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my, my hand is going up, right? Now. Yeah, and uh, and uh, I'm filled with the Spirit, my tongue is on fire. Um, but I, uh, but that almost makes it more like relatable that like they're simultaneously aware of God and probably scripture. Um, and, uh, also having a plot line that has consequence and sin and struggle. So that like, yeah, it was really kind of interesting to watch because it's not in any movie ever pretty much except for like art house movies that want to like talk about spirituality without it in the book of Eli. Yeah. And the book of Eli, which is also dope. Um, another great movie. You may not know this, but the easiest way you can show your support for Cinematic Doctrine is to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. So press pause and share your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And then press play again so you can hear the rest of the show. Yeah, no, it it has definitely has that old Hollywood charm. Well, old Hollywood, like eighties is not old Hollywood, but it right. had it has it ha- it is definitely a distinct kind of eighties fantasy film where like these definitely. were coming out at the time. The first thing that stood out to me is just the beautiful like on set filming. They filmed in real castles. Yes, yes, it was. It's gorgeous. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it, gorgeous is the right word for it. It like and it just feels real. Like things feel tangible. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how like a movie where people are getting turned into wolves and hawks feels so much re- more real than current films because like you just feel like someone's standing in front of a green screen mm-hmm. um like you talk about the action scenes it's just like matthew broder like like climbing up some like wood right and then people Trying are swinging like swords <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's somehow like, missing him every time yeah they're stabbing up it's just like just hitting his cloak and right like but that stuff is great because it like feels like real human beings are like an actual real danger um like my right. one my one quibble is i think there's occasionally like a weird thing where like scenes kind of feel drifty where they kind of go on maybe a little longer than they should or sometimes they don't like meld together the way they should but yeah the overall arching like romance is like just so inherently compelling because it's so it's so tragic right Um, matthew broderick's performance switched between being really great and kind of distracting because he just (laughs) feels like matthew broderick everyone else is fully heightened like fantasy you know like rutger Hauer and michelle michelle pfeiffer feels like like glad like feels otherworldly you know mm-hmm. like an angelic being and Rutger Hauer feels like he's straight out of like one of those old uh, fantasy magazines that you'd yeah. see in the, in the grocery store and then Matthew Broderick is just like kind of nervously quipping and running around uh, but <laughs> over, overall I really enjoyed it for for what it was it definitely made me um it made me feel like I was back at like the video store picking up VHSs where you'd have these movies with these lush beautiful uh, cover art on it but yeah. i was, was going to ask you like what is it about like this movie that like because you know you basically kind of a carte blanche to get any movie you wanted on the podcast like why this one of all of the movies that you've seen before you know so i picked it because it it is very nostalgic for me uh, again just growing up watching it and just really falling in love with because i i've always loved fantasy adventure stories and i was just i've been thinking about this one a lot recently just because i i kept thinking and i know this was something we thought about talking about is just like, what would happen if this film was made today? Would it have a lot of those same wonderful elements as it did before? Would these changes like enhance the story or enhance the film? 
or depending on who gets a hold of it, would it just completely like veer off into like a really bad direction, which I know we've all seen in remakes before. Um, but because there, because there are things like that you mentioned, Dan, that I agree with, like certain scenes do feel like they might last a little too long or, or like you said, a little drifty and a big, and I know that's, maybe it's a little bit easier to fix than I think it might be. But one of my biggest gripes about this film is the music. I really uh, hard disagree. Ah! <laughs> the soundtrack is awesome. No. It doesn't no, fit at its, all. Uh, it doesn't great. what I mean. It's just, it's so like, like, it's, like right from the beginning. Like, first of all, he falls in the water and you have, and then it's like, that is the exact moment. I was like, yes. Great. I do like music that is, um, it's not diegetic. What's the term? It's music that fits anachronistic. The scene. Is that the term anachronistic? Where yeah. like if stuff is happening on scene, the music follows it because that means yeah. the soundtrack was produced with the film in mind, as opposed to it being like I just make music. Right. But yeah, I yeah, I'm gonna have to join Melanie on this one. Most of the music <laughs> I found was distracting or not very good. Exactly. Like yeah. it, it was. It wasn't that. It's like it's bad. Like it, like you get it. It's it's 1985. It's, it's it's the, the <laughs> it's thing. Produced by the Alan Parsons. Yeah. It's just like, and I even looked up Andrew Powell because I I figured I was like, who put this music together? And when I looked at the name, I <laughs> who was, was responsible. Did this? Who yeah. did this? I googled it because I was just trying to like follow a little paper trail of like Andrew Powell. Have I heard his music <laughs> before? Like, because I was just curious to see if he's done anything else. And I think he hasn't really done a lot of film scoring. I think he did oh, this Rocket other film. Gibraltar. Did you find it? Burt, starring Burt Lancaster. It's some kind of family reunion oh. movie. But I, I guess, again, the music wouldn't be like that recognizable. But for like a fantasy film, like when I think about um, Willow or I think about Lord of the Rings, I remember the the music. And it's just, it's usually like very, very, there's like these memorable themes and it's just so fitting. And it feels like you're in this fantasy world. And then you get lady hawk and it's just like i don't know what's happening <laughs> yeah it's so th- very that's the only reason yeah that's the only reason why i i had issues with it but i mean but it's still fun and and you get what's happening and so so to to round off my 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 answer to your question i just think that it's a i just loved the storytelling and i and again i loved the the sweetness and the the passion of their love for one another um, and there's just so many compelling moments. Actually, one of my favorite moments that's not super, I imagine if they did it today, there'd be a lot of CG effects, but I actually really enjoyed how they, they did it with the effects that they had is when she's hanging from the tower and Philippe is trying to hold on to her, but she's about to fall. Yeah. And then yeah. she falls and as she's falling day breaks and she transforms into a hawk. And I just remember always being like, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it was like, I love that scene and how her scream turns into like the scream of a hawk. And so there's just all these like really wonderful, like fantasy moments as well. And you just, you just fall in love with the characters and um, it just, yeah, I just I haven't really found anything like that in any of the newer films that I've seen. Cuz yeah. usually the relationships are more complicated or it's not about romance, it's about some kind of adventure, which again, there's nothing wrong. There's a lot of really amazing stories out there, but this one just for me was really special because I hadn't really seen anything else 
like it. Yeah, that that transformation scene is done like almost entirely through just like cutting between different images. Like, yeah, they don't do the anamorphs thing where her like hands start turning into Thank wings goodness. or something. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I goodness. thought that was uh, so cool how they were able to work that out. Enjoying this episode? Grab that share link and tell your friends. Word of mouth is the most effective way for a podcast to reach new listeners, so don't be shy. Share the episode wherever you can. There's a real sweetness to their relationship. Like it's it feels very genuine. Like there's there, there's never an attempt to undercut it or no one's no one's no one's tongue is in their cheek here. It's like hundred right. yes. percent a very sincere romance. And yeah. It really carries the movie. And I mm-hmm. they slowly kind of shift focus away from Roderick's character and like the end of the movie is just Rutger Hauer having a sword fight with the bishop and yeah. you know Michelle Pfeiffer and they get the moment and like Roderick and the monk just kind of walk off screen and because it's yeah. really not their story it's mm-hmm. in that way it's effective in how Matthew Broderick is just a guy who kind of wanders into a story which mm-hmm. like we said fits his performance really well and then when the story is over he just kind of wanders out of it so which yeah yeah i just i i loved how all of that worked really well and i love that it's not long like it's not a super long drawn out story um and so i i had thoughts before where i was really strong about like if they made this today you know there'd be so many like cool things that they could do and then now i'm realizing like the more that i think about it i'm kind of like i don't really know if i want them to touch this (laughs) because (laughs) sometimes it's like you've like we've seen remakes that have been done like really, really well. And then I've seen remakes that have a lot of them that have completely bombed. And I guess I was just wondering like what you guys thought about maybe not even just specifically to this movie, but remakes in general, like what makes a remake or a reboot, which is slightly different, like work for you. So Hmm. uh, I'm actually, I'm going to say something a little strange, but I think remakes or even sequels can kind of do whatever they want, as long as they're still in conversation with the previous, uh, previous iteration or, or Hmm. feature in, and by that, I mean, like you can have maybe even a movie or sequel. That's the exact opposite from the previous film in almost every way. But as long as you're recognizing and it's clear that it's basically communicating with the previous thing, like it's, it's continuing the conversation to me, I think that's interesting and worthwhile i don't think that works in all mediums i'm going to talk about a video game real quick but i think bioshock and bioshock 2 are pretty good i prefer to because i think the gameplay is better but i really hate bioshock infinite because it is literally in every single way the exact opposite of the first game Mm. and there's a reason i'm playing the series it's because i like the first game and i want to play a little bit more of that or a little bit more development and then the third one is exactly the opposite. And it's just, I, I even tried playing it again, like immediately after beating it the first time. And I got about three quarters in and I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this anymore. I'm not going <laughs> to, it's, it's not worth it. It's yeah. so bad. And I also just think it's a bad game uh, in general too, in terms of game theory and development. But like in that way, like it doesn't work all the time. Like I think books are probably more limited when it comes to sequels or retellings. Um, But in movies, I really think it's so dynamic. I think different directors can come in and tell the same story, uh, can communicate or converse about it. And uh, in that way, it'd be interesting to see a sequel that maybe if, if, if Lady Hawk was saying maybe perhaps something a little more, then seeing someone develop or retell that could be interesting. Um, yeah. For me, I mostly just thought of some aesthetic things that could be improved. Yeah, if somebody made a new one, I 
was surprised to see that this got Oscar nominations for sound because I actually found that this movie had two of the most embarrassing screams I've heard in a movie. One mm. being the transition <laughs> with the bird, and then the uh-huh. other being when um, when Isabeau and Navarre see each other one more time while transitioning. Mm-hmm. And they're in the icy area, and Navarre like screams into the sky, like "No!" Yes, it's like yeah. it's so bad. Um, it's almost funny Aww. the way it cuts to it and the sound for me. I, I really was like, "Ooh, that's a, I'm embarrassed for you." Rector Do you Howard. think they were trying to make him sound? Because that's what I wondered. Because there's like a, it kind of I don't know if the word is muffly, maybe like a wolf sounds like a. Barf. But yeah, I was yeah. wondering if they were trying to like have him have some of that still in his voice because he was still transforming. It's possible. I don't know. But it's also like, um, and you know, I'm not Richard Donner. I wasn't directing the movie, but it's like when, when I hear something like that and I think like, that's embarrassing. I would then make the decision to find a way to cut it out, make it silent, maybe make the music swell. I don't know, but you'd find Mm -hmm. another way to resolve that. So for me, like I would say like, find a way to improve that. But obviously I'm in the minority because it's got two nominations for best sound and then best effects and sound editing so what do i know and then it got like <laughs> other rewards like motion picture sound editor uh it got a golden reel award for that so i obviously know nothing but it um <laughs> uh, which is typical as listeners know when it comes to the show but um yeah i just i i thought that could be improved um if you were to remake this maybe having like he he was a uh, navarro was a captain and it seems like the people yes. really liked him so yeah. i was like what if the band of warriors left with him and defected with him but were also affected by the curse and i was like that could be cool if you did a mini series because then during the daytime they're completing missions but at nighttime isabeau is like a wolf warrior who can lead these wolves on missions and stealthy stuff i don't know there'd be so much cool fantasy young adult to adult like fantasy stuff you could explore in that way Mm -hmm. and just adding more details and i also thought like even introducing like continue that spirituality continue the theology Maybe Navarra had a theological dispute with the prince or, or the ba- the bishop, and then the bishop, of course, found out about the romance too. So they're kicked out. And there's already tension, there's theological stuff. By adding more theological stuff, it makes his revenge more questionable, and then mm-hmm. that creates more man versus self stuff. There's just the film is is full of ideas, and they're all done, I think, really well. And I would love to see them explored in more detail Um, because for the most part, I think the movie is really well made, but also like not uh, as fulfilling as uh, I would want from a movie. Mm. And so all these things are more fantasy things that I would like to see. uh, And yeah, if you wolves are cool, give us more. (laughs) And then you have like the scene when like Alvar Molina is killing wolves. It's some of the wolf pack or something like that. So it's, there's really a lot of ways to take what is there and develop and, and not, I wouldn't say the word improve uh, in the way that it's described, but improve as in like maybe turn it up or maybe um, switch it around uh, and communicate with these ideas more and uh yeah but but most importantly is the sound for me i i just found that stuff uh, a little messy and then yeah obviously we have two out of three for the music um, <laughs> i wouldn't mind some improvement on that uh and i also wish the movie was a bit more violent not shocking like in, like offensive but uh, right. there's literally a fight where like a guy sees navarro like gingerly tap people with a sword and he gets scared and runs away on his horse and then navarro just sort of lets him and like fine like i guess they're all his warriors before anyway he was their captain but yeah i just like it It was just 
disappointing to see so many people get hit by the sword and fall over and then just fall asleep. Uh, they make up for it at the end with that final They did. Kill where he just chucks a sword super hard. You get the sword, the super hard kill at the end, which is really good. And you also get a bear trap kill, which got me to go, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> like right. I, I got a good, uh, good, good shock out of that. But I would appreciate a little more of that because we're also in a fantasy setting that does not exist now in any way. It ever did because it's magic and <laughs> stuff. Like, but I mean, like, like a before. medieval setting, and like so, do some medievally things that set it in the medieval setting, and and then have some violence that's built around that and fun things like having in the beginning when he's jumping over the uh, scaffolding and they're stabbing up or whatever. Like all that stuff's pretty fun, and uh, yeah. just yeah, for me, I would just want a little more for a remake, but. Um, yeah, what about you, Dan? I mean, what do you feel is like necessary for a uh, remake or sequel or re- reboot, so, that kind of thing? Yeah, I, for so like, you know, initially, because you, you know, we're like, hey, so like, you know, one of the things we just talk about is like, you know, remaking Lady Hawk. And thinking about it, like, I just kept thinking, like, I have no interest in seeing a remake of this movie. And like, I see where you're coming from with most of your like ideas, but like the word I keep coming back to and thinking about this movie is it's charming. It's a very charming film. And there's sort of like a gentle, like I don't know, magic to it in the sense that like, it just, it just feels so much like a movie of its time. Yes. And mm-hmm. my experience of watching it is one that like, I don't think I'll get it all get out of a remake, mm-hmm. which is like, yeah, I guess you could have better, better things like you could improve the sound or you could use some more modern touches here or there but if we made the movie today i seriously doubt they'd shoot on location like they did for this you'd right, be getting right. sets you'd be getting cgi castles you'd be getting a really expensive sequence or where someone really turns into a wolf and it's like really like big and epic and they crank up the music yeah. and that's not at all it's like like lichen colony <laughs> Yeah, or like I just keep thinking about the underworld <laughs> movies, you know. I'm just like, yeah, oh, right, like, yeah. I just, I no interest in that, you know. And yeah, it just like any pluses you get, like anything you do that you get, get some out full of body remake. suits though in underworld, and that's extremely cool. So I'm just gonna say that, <laughs> that, was I, that right now. I just rewatched the first underworld film, and like, <laughs> I'm just gonna say the effects don't really hold up in that. I'll just say that. Oh, okay. So, so, it takes a long so. time to get good. And then the old vampire wakes up and I'm like, awesome. Like, <laughs> this it's is so like, similar to Lady Hawk. It is very much a movie of its time where yes. like, yes. someone yes. in a black trench coat is dual wielding pistols and shooting. And so cool. Like, there's, yeah. It's, I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> like, I, I, I was affected He's by COVID at the time. To be clear. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I yeah. just, yeah, I watched the all three Divergent movies. <laughs> you know, oh my really, gosh. Really you checking off my Criterion bucket list you know um (laughs) (laughs) hey don't forget there's a lot of fun content missing from this episode because you're not listening on patreon head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support for three dollars a month to gain access to uncut episodes with upwards of 40 minutes of bonus content each you'll thank me later but like anything that you get, like all the positives of a quote unquote Lady Hawk remake, you could just make a new movie and throw those things. Yes, in it. like I don't could. see the yeah. like when I think about movies need to be remade. I think as I think either a movie that is a, such a, such a misfire that like it in a sense is due for a redo, or like you're talking about a movie that like comments on the previous one. Like, yes. like for example, if you do like 
people have mentioned remaking they live like i don't necessarily think that's a great idea because again it's very much a, without roddy piper there's no reason to but if you were, were to remake that movie or a movie like it you use like like thinking about mass surveillance or the way like advertising affects us from a modern perspective you know like you could kind of take things about what they're commenting on and like place them now so like a movie that's very much criticizing reagan era politics or that movie look like criticizing politics and the year of our lord 2023 like those are the only types of movies i'm kind of interested in or a movie that was at the time a special effects spectacular and that was kind of the only thing going for it but now like it's really like it doesn't look that great now like maybe a movie like that or, <laughs> or it's like offensive <laughs> like or, or a movie dated, that's yeah a, yeah, a movie, yeah or a movie that's you know like i <laughs> Yeah, for my first thought, for 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 whatever reason, it was Breakfast at Tiffany's. So you just remake the movie with the only difference is you just don't have Mickey Rooney's character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Um, those are the only kind of like I'm just not a huge fan of remakes in general, and it's not mm. even for like snobby reasons. I just don't get the reason. Like they're even yeah. made Cop, but they made it PG thirteen, but yes, with modern, not weird. great special effects. Yeah, like minus most of the things that make RoboCop interesting. So it's just like, yeah. what was the reason for this? You know, I was going to say it was, it's funny you mentioned it. Cause I was talking to my brother about remakes and we were talking about RoboCop and how it's like <laughs> the, and how it's like the, the perspective shifts. So it's like, when you see a remake, there's this expectation of things that are familiar, but then you also want to see it either enhanced kind of or, or the, enhanced, the yeah. angle or the perspective is just different. And we were talking about how the old RoboCop movies, it was more focused on Murphy, like the man. And then yeah. in like this new one, it's more about how did the robot, how did the robot works? Like it's just, it's like less <laughs> which is about, what we all wanted, you know? <laughs> right? It's like less about Murphy, and it seems more about just like how the robots are getting, are they going to get approved or not? And you know, I don't know. It's just <laughs> the, the true um, drama at the heart of the RoboCop. Yes, <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you guys, and I and I think that there's there's a lot of people that would be like, you know, why why redo something or reboot something when we feel like it's already either already good or we already have something like that. It feels good. When and I think that makes a lot of sense. Like moving on to other stories because even thinking about like the podcast today i was like oh remake 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 and then i kept thinking do i really want to remake do you want to get what i asked for do i want to like right do i want this to actually happen because i could see a lot words right because again like you know (laughs) new things could enhance the story but my fear would be that they would just twist it into something that just feels so either so different or it loses, like you were saying, it loses its charm. It loses its the the passion or like the 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 sweetness of their love for each other is, I think, just something that made it so compelling for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I feel like there's also certain movies that I've seen that I didn't even realize they were remakes until someone told me, and I was like, oh snap! So it's like something that was so maybe not so before my time, but definitely before my time. That's like when I'm watching it now, it feels new because it's new to me. I mean, that's what they're doing. Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. That's one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Or um, I didn't know Father of the Bride was a remake. Oh, was that one? Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. That was a remake. And my mother was telling me it was like from the, like some movie from the fifties. Mm-hmm. There's um, 
a star is born that's been done yes. like yeah, I also three times yeah <laughs> yeah but but again i'd heard like some of them i hadn't heard that they were remakes but when i watched them it was like this fresh new story and i just i, I fell in love with them and I mean of course there's also remakes that flop like total recall or oh um, my god so bad yes it was awful and yeah even, they're like, like you know what we need to keep we need to keep the three boobs but mars let's not <laughs> let's not do mars forget mars right. i don't it's need to go so there it's so frustrating what why that, <laughs> your yeah, movie's no, pg-13 it, it what's was, going on it was bad it was bad but um man even, i saw like, that the... in theaters what was i doing <laughs> no no <laughs> i can't believe Sorry, it audibly, i'm so ashamed i saw Sorry. dragon ball evolution in theaters well, i saw last i saw avatar the last airbender mm, in theaters yeah Ooh. or the uh the disney films even which I will yes. say oh, yeah. criminal. Criminal. I will be very. I was going to be very careful because I know, like, some people are like, "We love them," and then me, they're terrible, right, like, terrible. <laughs> criminal. No, but I think it's like they're trying to just make remake these films for a younger audience. But mm-hmm. I think in doing so, they're just losing a lot of what made the original film so special, at least for me. But for I know a lot of people from my generation or older than me that really love these remakes. So I don't know. Well, I I, th- I don't get that at all. Like <clears throat> I don't know. It's it, it is it is the proof positive of the exact thing I just was saying. Like right. Like what is the point? Like what are exactly. you getting out of? What are you getting out of like creepy CGI versions of the lions and lion yes. king instead of just well, watching the lion? King? Here's what I'll that, say. Yeah. What we oh. get is YMS spending four years trying to just get out the first half of his criticism of Lion King 2019. <laughs> Not and worth so for it. me. Like, I'd say that's just, pretty worth it. <laughs> like I, there'll be other movies for people on the internet to be mad about, but like, what's the point of remaking? Lady and the Tramp and dumping mm. it on Disney Plus and no one watching it. What's yeah. the point of making a strange, like sad version of Dumbo? Yeah. Like, you well, know, that why... remake of Jacob's Ladder in 2019. You remember that one? No. No. <laughs> you don't. Why would do you, you remake Jacob's Ladder? <laughs> well, okay. So I'll come in as the devil's advocate and also just advocate. Why did um, you bring up this movie just to defend it? <laughs> I'm not defending Jacob's Ladder. What I'm defending is the concept of remakes. Oh, so, okay. I thought you could be like, no, listen, Jacob's Ladder 2019. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even see it. I was just like, what? Why is this happening? I think it was to keep licenses. Uh, licensing, uh, okay. but, um, yeah. I, I, I suspect because I know that that's a thing. Because uh, of course we get our Fantastic Four. There is some. Um, um, what classic, is it? There's but... a there's a TV pilot of Wheel of Time. Have you ever seen this? No, I from have... like ten years ago or something. Uh, it's and it was to keep somewhere. licensing or something. It's just so they keep the rights to Wheel of Time. That makes sense. Yeah. But okay, so I I also don't think Lady Hawk needs a remake. I I think it's fine. Uh, but I also know that the industry exists to make money. And so when you have a property, I often think to myself, just like how Sega just seems to forget that it has anything other than Sonic the Hedgehog, <laughs> like every company owns all these properties that they could, in essence, find ways to profit from. It's just a matter of investment and time. And uh, so for me, like for the podcast, it's like, here's some ideas for Ladyhawk Remake. But when I sit down and think, it's like, there's very few movies that I'm like, I would want remade because yeah, sure. Sleepaway camp is like super low budget, but it's also amazing. And I love everything about it and it's a mm. mess, but it's also not a mess at all. If you're, if, as far as I'm concerned. And when I was thinking of other movies that could be remade, there's really not a whole lot that come to mind 
except for Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. It's like the only one that even as I watched it, I thought, why aren't they doing Scout stuff? Why are they not doing any Scout stuff? Yeah. This movie's kind of funny and extremely irreverent, but it would be more fun if they did Scout stuff, like a Moonrise Kingdom, but with zombies. Huh. And like, I don't know why they didn't do I li- that. I like that pitch. Yeah, because like I literally in my head, and I figured if I'm going to be talking about remakes, I'd propose a scene or a thought. But like, um, I don't know why there wasn't a scene where a Scout's Guide is talking to the, the surviving kids and they're throwing out ideas and then he goes, hold up guys, we already tried that. And it shows a montage of, and it could pan across and do a quick pan and focus. And it's like a, a borderline Wes Anderson style frame of like, so-and-so tried setting up like this and then it hard cuts, but everything was flammable and it catches on fire and zombies attack. And then it cuts to another troop and they're doing, we tried this, but then so-and-so was bad and he let the, whatever. And it could keep like you do that, but all with scout's guide style stuff. And like to me, like there's plenty of movies. Kids like should this. be earning I, merit badges while taking down zombies. Yeah, or like maybe they cut off ears, and one of them, like after the kid gets his first wow. kill, like a nom veteran, cuts off an ear. <laughs> no, like he, it would be like he, the kid finally gets his first kill, and a scout's uh, troop leader is proud of him, so he cuts the ear off, and then he sews it to his little patch or something. He goes, "This is yours," and it's all triumphant, but it's extremely grotesque because the ear is like. It's still got like a ton of skin and blood. It's just gross. But like, there's so much like stuff you can do. And this is what like, and so there's other movies I thought like the hive. I've mentioned that in the podcast before briefly. It's a zombie movie where the zombies are a hive mind. I'm about kid. This is the second zombie movie, but it's a zombie movie where the hive mind and the main character (laughs) is already bitten. And he has to figure out the mystery of how he got bitten and how to make everyone safe while using the hive mind part of the zombie as he's transitioning. But it's edited like a music video. I don't know why. And it is insufferable to watch. Mm. And I've always thought like this could just get remade and be made better. Um, I wrote down basically half of Shyamalan's movies, even though I also like a lot of them. But a, a remake of The Happening made to be a real scary movie, not Bird Box, but an actual scary movie could be pretty interesting the spirit obviously is one that's like uh based on promise and potential could have been great and was not but it could be still fun in the same vein uh anna and the apocalypse another zombie movie the third one on my list is a musical that doesn't have much variation in its music or dancing or zombies and so it's prime for a more big budget film pretty much anything by benson and moorhead uh the science fiction guys always have like a whoa whoa, i i think some of their movies could be benefited by them literally (laughs) doing it again kind of like how um um what's his name the director david cronenberg david cronenberg basically remade his own movie and i think it's like the second time he's done it (laughs) and so if benson and moorhead just remade synchronic like in 10 years they could make it way better Mm -hmm. because every time the character goes back in time someone's mad at him i don't know why um and then of course (laughs) i had to write this one down and it's silly but i said ghostbusters 2016 could definitely be remade (laughs) the internet loves it when you remake (laughs) ghostbusters was that the one with the female cast yes oh got it the female cast and i actually thought the same exact cast <laughs> and just, just do it again. Different that would be writer. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> just different writer. I, mean, I think the movie would be fine because the movie is at least a comedy. Whereas Ghostbusters Afterlife is trying to be reverential nostalgia. When you know, you know, that's the exact opposite of Ghostbusters One. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. think there's plenty of movies that could be remade. But like I said, I also think there's many that don't need to. But I know as an industry, it makes sense. It's reliable. It's safe. Reboots are kind of the thing right now. The legacy reboot, if you will. The requel. The, the requel. requel. 
yeah, if you check out Scream, uh, the one from last year, mm. that's kind of the the trope it goes with. Catherine picked Bas- Bohemian Rhapsody as a play. She said Terror Train and also Most Likely to Die. A lot of horror movies on this list, but yeah, I with Bohemian Rhapsody probably being the scariest one. But hey oh, uh, yeah, I I think remakes are fine. I don't. Could, could you them, call but... a quote remake of Bohemian Rhapsody a remake as you're just making another movie about a real person? I, I mean, if you were another... doing the same thing ish, well, okay, I get what you're saying, right? Yeah. Like you have Elvis from this year, and then you have John Carpenter's Elvis that came out two years after Elvis died, right? So, like, yeah. it's the same title, it's the same topic, and yeah, but then it would just be another interpretation of the same story, which in a way is kind of what a remake is is but yeah i get what you're saying when you're doing like a biopic it's a little different hey there listener want to influence the podcast head on over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support the show for three dollars a month in doing so you'll be able to vote on a movie poll that picks a film we discuss each month so jump on over there and have your voice heard when i was thinking about things that should be remade I think back to when Tom Cruise's mummy movie was coming out and mm. more than one person said to me, is like, oh man, I can't believe like the original was so good. And when they're saying the original, they were talking about the Brendan Fraser movie. Right. And I got to be a big movie nerd <laughs> every time and be like, oh, there's been Actually, a lot of mummy movies. Yes. That's <laughs> and, a remake also. So, you know, it's just like. And what, also the original mummy, not that good. <laughs> no, surprisingly, <laughs> so. not very scary. Uh, right. It's interesting uh, for about 30 minutes and then it kind of just keeps going and you're like, all right. Yeah, I honestly <laughs> prefer the Brendan Fraser to a lot of the OG mummy movies because like mm. the, the whole like Indiana Jones, but with a mummy take is so much. It makes more sense that it works better than trying to make a mummy scary. But um, yeah, like when I think of quote remake, I think long running franchises or franchises where the central thing is just a specific character or monster or or even a central gimmick where like if you kept making godzilla movies or if you kept making movies about dracula like i don't think of every new movie featuring dracula as a remake of every dracula movie right just another dracula you know unless it's like specifically titled like like the Elm Street reboot uh, yeah it's just actually terrible Bram Stoker's Dracula Right. The remake. I don't know. I, would, too. <laughs> I would respect that so hard. <laughs> They're just like Brand Strike is Dracula again. again. <laughs> like, all right, uh, truth and advertising. All right. Uh, Coming to Netflix very soon, <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. Like, what was it like more American graffiti or whatever where they're just like okay like you know what you're coming for um but like yeah like those are types of things where like I think a modern take because like monsters are interesting in that they like tend to reflect the different anxieties or fears of the time so like a current version like you see that like the way that the zombie myth keeps changing you know or the way that the vampires like the way the different takes people have on them tend to reflect modern sensibilities you know we're like i think you i don't know who melvin did i can't remember who melvin did the episode with but talking about um hocus pocus right like yeah like our, yeah, yeah. our the way we view witches and witchcraft like so as a society is sudden like subtly shifting so you like the way they handle that material changes you know not the maybe not the best example but you know no, so, like, i get it I get when it. i think about yeah. like remake like that's what i'm like a specific story that like was told perfectly fine the first time like unless you really have a very specific fresh take on it 
you don't need it. Like we don't need yeah. it. I get that people are remaking things with name value just because people out of curiosity or loyalty to a franchise will see it. But uh, yeah, that's like really the only thing I could think of where I'm like, I actually would want this as opposed to like being okay with it. But I think someone else had something to say before I started crattling on. Yeah, I was, I was, I was actually going to say, cause you mentioned like, if there's something you really like in a story, but you want to try it again, why not just make a new film? And that actually made me think a lot about Antoine Fuqua. Is that how you say his last name? Yeah, that sounds close. So he does like different versions of the Magnificent Seven. And like when you look at his films, so he does King Arthur. He does Tears Mm. of the Sun. He does the actual in 2016 Magnificent Seven. And I feel like there's like another one where you have just like these band of... I, I was actually gonna. I was actually trying to figure out, like, is there actually seven each time? But um, there's, mm. and maybe other people have talked about it already. Yeah, just how there's these like the same idea, like a ragtag of like people are just like these, this kind of like brotherhood or like that comes together to do good. And it's like it's like it's almost like each time he was trying to do like the same thing, but it's just like a different setting. Um, or like a different era. So like, you know, you have King Arthur and then Tears of the Sun is more modern. And then the Magnificent Seven's like a Western. So mm-hmm. I think he's that's tr- like trying to get his idea right. Almost. Right. Like it's almost like he's trying different formulas to see like which like which way is it. And then, of course, Magnificent, like that story has been done many times. Isn't there like a I'm blanking. There's like a comedy one. There's a couple. Yeah. yeah, There's just like a lot of like those kinds of films that I think just keep repeating themselves. So yeah, I mean, I even went to a, um, I went to Wizard Comic Con. What is that called? What's the whole title? Wizard World? I know what you're talking about. It's the comic book convention. So it's not like just like wizarding stuff, but they called it like Wizard Wizard World Comic Con something long title, yeah. but um, anyway, I went to a panel discussion and um, Charisma Carpenter was there from the oh. TV show Buffy, and I always forget her name. She's she goes every year almost. She was one of the lead actresses in Charmed. Holly Marie Combs, I think that's her name. But they were they were both doing like a panel talking about like some you know like their time doing these television shows and all that stuff. And I felt so bad for this guy. A fan walked up to them because they were, they weren't like verbally bashing like too hard on like these reboots, but they were kind of just talking about how it's like, you know, you work so hard to do something and then someone's like, no, we're just going to redo the whole thing. And Mm -hmm. so like from like the actor's point of view almost. So this guy was like, yo, but you wouldn't want to like, come back on the show and be like a grandmother or something. (laughs) And their instant reaction was like, no, I would never do that. And I was trying, I was laughing. I couldn't help it. But I also felt bad for him because they were just basically like, we hate you. <laughs> like, um, but you're kind of old now, huh? <laughs> right. So it's just like, and of course they look fabulous. And I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't think they would want to do any kind of role like that, but I was also, as I was thinking about remakes, I was thinking about actors. So like when they look back on their work, it's like, how do you process someone taking something you did, especially if you felt very attached to it or very passionate about it and they're just deciding to redo it? You know, some especially if it's something that's so beloved and it's something that, especially by the actors, it's it's kind of like, why would you even touch it? And so I, I kind of was just like, 
remake, remake it. And then now, like, again, the more I've been processing it, the more I've been thinking about it, I'm just like, leave it alone. (laughs) I don't think I want this as much as I initially thought I did. Um, And you guys, just even hearing you guys talk about it, I'm just like, yeah, that's right. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) So Yeah, I think, like, for me, like, the the final thing I can think of which I think is fitting, uh, is that it is very final if a reboot comes out. It says, we're not making sequels anymore. We're just right. going to restart. Yeah. And so yeah. if there's a canon you liked, it's over. If there's, yeah. a con- if there's a potential for something new, it's over. It means when Freddy's dead comes out, he's actually dead. And <laughs> you're not getting the next one. And that's just like a bummer. And he um, never appeared in any more movies after that. So and well, well, I mean, I know he was in like New Nightmare as as the devil, I guess. Yeah. Um, which I like. I like New Nightmare a lot, actually. Um, when Wes Craven starts getting meta, I think that's when he's at his best. But, um, but yeah, he's they're in other movies, but it's not the same canon. And that's not to say that the Nightmare canon is the best <laughs> to, to use as an example but it's fun well freddy versus jason is in canon with the the Nightmare yeah Mr. but it's Films. not like it's like i think set like before freddy's dead but still i mean is it really yeah i think he's supposed to be dead dead and freddy's dead and then that one's set right before but i digress like you're 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 making a fine and besides that was before the reboot came out in like 2009 so or 2011 i can't remember i don't know it's the poster that looks like the current indiana jones poster i don't know if people are noticing that but it looks the exact same as the reboot (laughs) for uh just some background to text messages i specifically texted dan we're not doing an episode on indy 5 but we can do an episode on just on just just the trailer for indy 5 (laughs) because i think it's a trailer so bad i looked i looked at that text i was like i don't know what Uh, i was talking about (laughs) such a bad trailer it's so bad it's just this geriatric who looks so sad and sick just doing things in front of a camera i feel so bad like it's like someone's puppeteering it's like Oh, no. I feel like <laughs> so we bad. we saw exactly how to do this type of movie with Creed, <sighs> where they lean into how old and disheveled Rocky Balboa is, and yeah. they use that to create more drama. And I think well, you can good. continue stuff. I mean, that's why legacy stuff works. Maverick is good. Top Gun mm-hmm. Maverick is because it's aware of the fact that Tom Cruise is old, and like right. that that's like a sad thing, and like that's like aging is sad, and using that for drama, and that's interesting. Um, but when you do a reboot you co- or remake, you you cancel out stuff. And yeah. not everything can be like in video games with the Devil May Cry series where they reboot it. And then they just ignore that and make a Devil May Cry 5 anyway. So it's um, it's complicated. It's hard. And DMC again, like, for life. Yeah, <laughs> I know? like that game a lot. I think it's pretty good. Um, but like Halloween is probably the only thing that can get away with this because they reboot it every <laughs> three years anyway. Right. So um and and it's like so many different timelines. They set a precedent for like if they want, they just like we're just gonna make one that's a sequel to four for some reason. You know, right. like they can and, just do that anytime. And <laughs> yeah. Halloween Kills has footage from Halloween too, so it's possible some events in Halloween two yes. took place anyway. So I'm not sure. Yeah. Hey hey hey! We have some Patreon goals we're trying to reach. If we get enough support, we'll review each God's Not Dead movie, as well as the Inhumans, that really bad Marvel show from a couple years ago. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and share your support. That sounds like a good time to go into recommendations. What kind of recommendations do we have? Do we have themed recommendations since we're working with reboots? Did you guys do that? I I did. I'm just saying. (laughs) No.
Okay, uh, I, I didn't get the memo. I'm sorry. Well, then, all right, I'll start with recommend my recommendation because it's in in theme. I, I'm going to recommend uh, in theme uh, Roger uh, Roger Corman's The Little Shop of Horrors, um, the original nice. from 1960. I just watched it a couple days ago, and it was just hilarious. A mile a minute of jokes. It is so so funny. Um, just constant jokes. I didn't like jokes. Some jokes obviously carried over mostly visual jokes, uh, into the Frank Oz adaption, but there are just so many more jokes. It's not some, not a musical. Um, I, it's, it really was just like shocking how funny it was. Cause I'm also used to older movies that are comedies being a little more labored and slow. And this one was just like, it just kept cutting and cutting and cutting and moving on. And so if there was even a time where a joke didn't land, you knew another one was coming within a couple seconds. And there were visual gags, dialogue gags, and like setups and payoffs. It was just consistently great. So I'm definitely going to recommend it. Nice. Melanie, what uh, what recommendation do you have? Um, Poltergeist from 1982. It's great. I think it's just a really um, amazing, um, what'd you call it? It's still horror even though it's not like super scary anymore. And what I love about the film so much is just that it's, even though the effects are dated, it's just centered around this really beautiful family dynamic. And you just really feel super connected with the characters. And there's just a lot of things, even though they show you a lot, there's also things that are like very mysterious and very eerie, like when they're describing what's on the other side. And it's just these really amazing moments in the film. And I just think it's, it's fantastic. I would highly recommend it if anyone hasn't seen it. What do you uh, What do you got for us, Dan? Uh, I might have recommended this before, but I was just going through uh, books to look to give as gifts, and I'm obviously just thinking about like what are some books everyone should read at some point. Uh, so I'm going to recommend Knowing God by J.I. Packer. I was just flipping through it again today, and it's just it's just so great. It's a relatively short read. It's one of those books that um, I think you should for like young Christians or people who are just like, you know, trying to deepen, start, start deepening their faith. Maybe mm. uh, it's a great book to get you going. So Jay Packers knowing God. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of cinematic doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, cinematic doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.